Good morning. I woke up today with soy on my mind, probably because I recorded the podcast yesterday and talked about soy. I was reminded of this experience I had when I was in Brazil in 2017. My son and I got a lift with this wonderful young couple and they drove us all the way from Alto Paraíso to Uberlândia, which is about an eight or nine hour drive um, across, well, I can't even remember the exact regions and um, it's probably irrelevant to the story. And what happened was during that eight-hour drive-ish, we spent about four to five hours of that drive passing through um, agricultural land, crops. And I didn't sort of pay too much attention at first. I saw, oh, there's a lot of um, farmland here. They're growing things. What are they growing? And the couple told me it was mostly maize, i.e. corn. Um, Also, if I remember rightly, canola, wheat and possibly soy. I'm not quite sure of the exact mix, but definitely I'm right about most of that. And we kept driving and there were more crops and we kept driving and there were more. We stopped at a stall that was selling corn And by then I was kind of a bit disturbed by having driven past quite so much farmland. Um, But I ate the corn because I was hungry. And um, what disturbed me was that we spent four to five hours on that drive where on both sides of the road were these massive, vast expanses of crop fields four to five hours where we did not see a single bit, one single little smidge of nature, of natural habitat, of natural ecological grasslands or whatever was there before these vast farms of crops were created. And I know from previous reading and just from looking, it's pretty obvious that for all that, um, all those things, all those um, food crops to be grown, destruction of habitat had to have occurred on an absolutely unimaginable scale. The amount of land we're talking about, the hectares upon hectares of this stuff was just beyond my comprehension. And in that habitat destruction, thousands upon thousands of birds, mammals, reptiles, lost their habitat, lost their homes, their food source, not to mention the insects, the worms, the soil microorganisms, all of which lost lost completely their lives, their homes, and the, the, the earth, the world, the, the planet lost biodiversity, lost multiple species of plant, fungi, and whatever else that's micro and on a micro level that I don't fully understand lives in those habitats. And they lost them so that someone could plant those crops. And then those crops were planted and machines came by. Well, machines came by probably before the grass with the soil was sown with the seed. And then the crops grew and they were sprayed with a mix of herbicides and pesticides 
And I'm sure that the regulations in Brazil over what can be legally sprayed are probably different to what they are in um, more industrialized nations. So there would have been um, a, quite a cocktail of pesticides and herbicides and fertilizers sprayed on them. And unlikely that any of those would have been non-toxic. Then um, more spraying was done. This is all killing the um, soil microorganisms, obviously killing the, the potential weeds because that's the purpose of it. Adding fertilizer, which is not the same as natural fertilizer, i.e. animal poo and dead bodies of animals, those of which those do uh, enrich the soil and biodegrade and cause an improvement in the quality of the soil. Instead, the fertilizers and herbicides would have done the opposite of that, contributed to soil erosion in the future. Then after that, more machines came by and more chemicals, and there might have been aerial spraying as well of chemicals all over this stuff. And then at the end, when the crop was ready, more machines came by to harvest it. And so more animals and creatures which had taken up residence in these fields by then were killed again uh, at harvest time. There would have been all sorts of small mammals, lizards and birds in the crop living there or scurrying about in there, which would have then got destroyed um, with the harvesting type machines. And then the soil was bare, presumably, for a period of time before planting another monocrop. And maybe they rotate their crops, I don't know. But whether they do or not, that process is going to be pretty similar. So on this unimaginably large scale area, geographical hectares of land, all this destruction and killing and death took place. All this environmentally disastrous process took place and those crops well maize is fed to humans and fed to cows but it shouldn't be fed to cows because cows don't eat maize cows uh, eat grasses and other green um, plants ground cover plants and maize actually makes cows sick People feed cows maize because they put cows in feedlots to fatten them up so that they can get more dollars per kilo of cow when it's, with meat when it's sold. But maize creates sickness in cows and people who eat those cows that have been fed maize also inherit some of that sickness. Also feedlots are inhumane they don't allow the cow to live its normal natural behaviors. They overcrowd and stress the cows. They routinely provide antibiotics because that also fattens them up. And because um, there's this pretext that they're preventing infection, which they're not, 
but it does have the advantage of causing fat gain on the cows. And the cows, by the time they die, are beginning to get hypertension, diabetes, obesity and metabolic syndrome, just as humans do when they eat a biologically inappropriate diet. Of course, the cows are only in the feedlot for three or four months or something, so they don't develop the full-blown version of these diseases yet. Not that anyone tests or diagnoses them anyway, so maybe they do develop the full-blown version of those diseases for all we know but they certainly are unhappy and stressed and live a miserable last three to four months of their lives eating this abnormal diet which isn't just consistent of maize I don't know the exact constituents of their feed but it probably contains soy as well I wouldn't be surprised other grains and legumes all of which are entirely inappropriate to a cow and make the cow ill and also contribute to illness and whoever eats that cow and so here we have a situation of one terrible thing raping the land killing thousands upon thousands of animals unnecessarily uh, then feeding some of that food to cows so as to also kill the cow but allow her to live a horrible inhumane cruel life for the last few months of her life and then create a meat product which is unhealthy for the person consuming it great system Um, that was maize and then well canola we grow canola for the purposes of making canola oil, which, as I spoke about last night, is of no nutritional value to humans and is harmful. Now, I don't know if there's other things you can do with canola that might be more beneficial. There could well be. Wheat was the other crop, so I've talked about that. Um, And soy was the other crop, and we've also discussed that. The... Yeah, and another additional thing about soy is the mould content when it's stored. It gets mouldy and that's and has mycotoxins. So that's another way in which soy consumption can harm us. But let's just say these crops were grown, some of them were grown for feeding to animals and some of them were grown for feeding to humans. But neither of those two uses for those crops is of any value because those crops are not healthy for humans and those crops are not healthy for cows and anyone who cares about what they eat and the quality of what they eat and anyone who cares about humanitarian issues as far as animal welfare goes and anyone who cares about the environment and not creating greenhouse gases and not polluting the rivers and waterways with chemicals wouldn't want to eat the cows that come from the feedlots or the soy, maize, wheat and canola that come from the land. And yet that aspect, I find, often gets forgotten because we divide our food, we think of our food in this artificial way. It's either plant or it's animal. And if it's animal, then death has occurred and people may object to death having occurred, even though death is a natural part of the cycle of life. We all are going to die and we all are going to provide food for some other organism at some point. But um, And that plant, uh, growing plants, isn't death. But it would seem from that experience that growing those plants, those crops, is far more death 
than um, growing the animals. One cow, if I kill one cow, it can keep me fed and my family for one year is what people say. Now, I don't know how they've calculated that. I don't know how exactly accurate it is, but let's say it's wildly inaccurate and it will only feed me for three months. That's still one cow feeding me for three months. Whereas if I were to survive on the proteins produced by um, those crops and others like them, like legumes and rice, which I believe are also all grown on industrial scales in monocrops by similar systems to what I described, how many of those hectares of land, how many of those thousands upon thousands of deaths, chemicals and pollution is needed to keep me fed for the same three months. And I would also like to add to that that there's such a thing as regenerative agriculture as practised by Joel Salatin and other people. Diana Rogers is another proponent. And in regenerative agriculture, mostly ruminants are farmed on grass They're never taken to feedlots. They live a natural life as far as any domesticated animal can live a natural life. And that includes our dogs, our cats, us us humans, all sorts of chickens. Any domesticated animal isn't leading the same life as a wild progenitor version of itself and most likely has adapted to its domesticity and wouldn't survive in the wild. But I think it's uh, pretty um, fair to say that a domesticated animal, humans included, dogs and cats included, pet rabbits, and etc., still may live a relatively pleasant and fulfilling life. And cows, just as we can, can live a pleasant and fulfilling life on a well-kept, well-managed farm where they're rotated and they have plenty rotated from pasture to pasture and they have plenty to eat and they have plenty to drink and they have shelter from the elements when needed and someone looks after them when they're lame or sick and someone cares for them and farmers who have these farms I read this wonderful book called The Secret Life of the Cow or The Secret Life of Cows Oh, I love that book so much. I gave it away and I would love to reread it. She was a farmer who practiced um, responsible regenerative agriculture and she absolutely loved her cows. She knew them all by name. Um, She told during the, the whole purpose of the book was telling all these anecdotes about cows to show how much of a culture they have, how much personality they have, how attached they are to each other and how they love each other and have friendships and then have other cows they don't like and look out for each other. It was the most heartening, wonderful book I think I've ever read, possibly. And so cows who are farmed in this way, she also pointed out that they had wider foreheads and therefore possibly larger brains than cows kept in more restricted conditions because they moved more. 
that is one of the reasons why humans have large brains because we have such complex movement patterns. Well, cows who get to move more get bigger brains or have bigger brains because they move more. Interesting side note. Um, in regenerative agriculture, the cows poo on the land and then there's often a system of chickens coming along and eating grubs and insects and things that arise from there being poo on the land and from the land just having insects and grubs and worms, etc. And all this poo that lands on the land and all this digging in of the poo fertilises the land so it's rich and it builds the soil and there have been actual studies done on Joel Salatin's land showing that it's carbon negative, not even carbon neutral, but carbon negative. So that type of farming takes carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere and puts it back into the soil. So it's the opposite of creating a worsening in climate change and it's the opposite of creating erosion of the land and deficits in the soil, deficits in nutrients, etc. Those cows have a fantastic life and yes, they do get killed just as all animals must die, including myself. Um, and yes, there might be things one could improve about that, although a lot of these farms actually practice a very humane method of killing and butchering. Well, butchering doesn't have to be humane, but it can be done on site where the cow doesn't have to endure the trauma of being put on a truck and travelling long distances. And so all these things can be done. And I just wanted to talk about that because that experience in Brazil and I was reminded because I talked about soy I was really distressed by seeing that I hadn't really contemplated that um, fully I saw those crops and I thought oh my god this is like seeing the apocalypse this land has been denuded of all its wildness it's been denuded of the lives of thousands upon thousands of animals which were not made use of. Their deaths were for nothing. Nobody ate them. Nobody took their skin and made a nice rug out of them. They were of no value. They were just discarded as though they were nothing. The, the planet, the earth was raped, poisoned, polluted, destroyed. The soil, the topsoil that we all depend upon for our lives for our existence, not just us, but all living beings, was raped and denuded. And all that to provide either a small amount of protein for humans, of low bioavailable protein, with chemicals and pesticides in it to poison them, or to provide chemical-laden feed for animals who shouldn't be eating that and who are kept in horrible conditions, versus... Joel Salatin's farms of regenerative agriculture and it felt very sad to drive through that place especially as I was born in Brazil and I feel a sense of loyalty and a sense of belonging to that country and I felt so sad when I drove through that and when I see tofu and when I see veggie burgers on the menu that's what I think of I think of all that destruction and death 
and it makes me sad. And on that cheerful note, I'll leave you for now. Enjoy your day.